0: Fear doesn't get to have the final say in my homeschool. I'm going to bring it all to God, and I hope that my book exhorts and encourages moms to bring all their fears to God because fear should not have the final say in your homeschool. But let's not forget that God's going to use homeschool to refine us too. He doesn't just want to inform you and your kids. He wants to transform you in your homeschool day.
1: Hi, you're listening to the Zan Tyler Podcast. Hi, my name is Zan Tyler, and this podcast is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. Homeschooling is an exciting adventure we take with our children. One of the most challenging parts of this journey is choosing the curriculum you want to use. BJU Press Homeschool is a curriculum you can trust. All the books, resources, and videos have been designed with you and your child in mind. Their curriculum is educationally robust and rich, taking into account that children have different learning styles, strengths, and needs. Mom, you are in charge. BJU Press Homeschool is here to come alongside and support you. Do you need help with the teaching load, or is there a subject you just don't want to teach? Their amazing video courses are available for all grades in almost every subject. BJU Press Homeschool believes that homeschooling can produce a new generation of students who know God, love their neighbors, and stand firm in their faith. For more information, go to BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com. Welcome to the Zan Tyler Podcast. I'm your host, Zan Tyler, and I'm so glad you're here. Jamie Erickson is with me today. I met her for the first time at an event on Mother's, or for Mother's Day, I think, sponsored by BJU Press. Her message to moms is deep and transformative, and I can't wait for you to hear her. Jamie's a former elementary school teacher turned homeschooling mom of five. She can be found on the Mom to Mom podcast, where she is encouraging and equipping a growing tribe of homeschooling parents all over the world. She's also the head writer for her blog, The Unlikely Homeschool. And I want to say this about Jamie. She's been an Amy, she's been an avid writer and reader her whole life. And that's evidenced in everything she says and writes. She's thoughtful, deep, encouraging, and giving. She's also the author of two books we'll be discussing today, Homeschool Bravely and a new book, Holy Huga, Creating a Place to Gather and the Gospel to Grow. So, Jamie, welcome today.
0: It's so great to have you. Thank you so much, Zan. Those were such kind words. I appreciate it.
1: Well, I'll never forget hearing you speak the first time, but even, I think we've been at two events together, Mm -hmm. uh, and even just our conversations beyond the speaking were always so encouraging, and I really appreciate that. I was, um, I was just watching a Facebook party where you were speaking for Home Educators of Virginia. Sure. Um, and um, Ann Miller, the president, was interviewing you. And I loved what she said. She said one of her daughters-in-law had just read Homeschool Bravely. And she said she felt seen. And, you know, mm-hmm. as homeschooling moms, you can feel so invisible. So I thought, what a compliment to Jamie. So first, Jamie, would you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and how you became an unlikely homeschool mom?
0: Absolutely. Well, as you said, I'm Jamie Erickson. I do have five kids. My husband and I um, were married. We were college sweethearts. We've been married for about 20 years. And he was homeschooled back in the 80s and 90s, back when you were homeschooling your kids, (laughs) Zan. That's right. And as you could probably attest, you know, that was really wild. You were going against the grain, swimming upstream. And so he was one of, or I should say his mom was one of those pioneers doing the thing before anybody knew what it was. I was a trained teacher in the classroom, and I remember my mother in law pulling me aside. We were new, my husband and I were newly married. And in her sweet, gentle way, she pulled me aside and asked me if I would ever consider this thing called homeschooling. And I, I'm embarrassed to admit, I think I laughed in her face because who does that? It's so weird. And isn't it just like our good God to take what we never could ask or imagine and hand it to us? And he began just a really good work on my heart to reframe some of my ideas specifically about what it means to educate a child, what learning Mm. really means. And so we've been homeschooling since the very beginning, and I can't imagine doing anything else.
1: You know, some people, well, tell me this, how long have you been homeschooling?
0: I think this is our fifteenth year, if you count preschool, and most people don't. So I'll let you do the math. Math yes. is hard for me. <laughs> well, well, we all homeschool from birth. But, yes, you know, is really good just to get a perspective on that. Right, uh, we what? did launch our first a couple years ago. If that if that gives you any indication, and we have two yes. in high school and one in. Um, middle school and one in elementary, still. So we run the gamut. We have our fingers in all the different age groups at this point.
1: That's amazing. Um, speaking in your book, you talk a lot about dealing with fears, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, I was afraid. I was threatened with jail when we far, start, first started homeschooling, and I was really afraid. And, um, and the Lord deals with you and helps you, and you see Him intervene on your behalf, and He takes care of your fears. But I will tell you, when I started homeschooling in high school, I was really fearful. I mean, it made look, the thought of going to jail look like nothing. And so um, I remember the story in your book you were telling about being in the doctor's office with your daughter. Yes. And the fear that just sort of arose from nowhere, would you share that story with us? I think it's really powerful.
0: Sure. I'll also add to what you were saying. I think so many moms fear stepping into those high school years because it seems like it has to be extra formal and Mm -hmm. that we have to add a lot of things to make it count. And what we have to understand, it's really no different from what we were doing before. The... Education maybe will add a few elements. The learning is a little bit deeper, but the process and the end result really is the same. So we have no need to fear the high school years. I actually think teens are amazing. You're, They're some of my almost most the favorite best years. Yes. 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 And I don't want to miss out on them by sitting in my fear. But to that, your question, oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. You go ahead. To your question about um, sitting in the doctor's office, well, my daughter was 12, I believe at the time, and she was of an age, as all you know adolescents get to, where your body is changing, hormone shifts are happening, and we had been seeing a male pediatrician through most of her life, and it was just an age where she began to get a little uncomfortable seeing a male and naturally wanted to see a female. So I kind of eeny, meeny, miny mowed my way through the yellow pages and found a doctor whose name sounded really good as if that's how you choose a doctor, but it (laughs) seemed like a good idea at the time. And so we plunked ourselves down in this woman's office and she looked at my, the patient form that I had filled out for Maddie. And on that form, it it had a couple different options for education. You know, do they go to public school? Do they private school or do they other? And I had checked that other box because of course we homeschool and that little box really gave that doctor some ammunition to fire Mm. a lot of aggression and judgment and, um, you know, professional criticisms at me. And she lobbed them my way during that appointment and basically said um, I was ruining my daughter and that homeschool mm. was fine for those early years. But surely as she's getting up into middle school and eventually high school, I need to, you know, send her somewhere else for her own good. She used those words for her own good. Mm. And of course, you know, at that time I had, you know, I was a trained teacher with all the certifications and proofs and paper and letters behind my name to say that I was equipped to teach other people's children. And so I don't know how that doctor weaseled her way into my heart and mind to convince me that I was somehow doing it wrong, but she did. And I sat there in fear and nearly talked myself out of it. Um, but for God and his Mm. truth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a that's a big butt, isn't
1: it? Mm-hmm. Because He is always there. Um, I, I this is totally off the subject, but you know, homeschooling is legal now in the United States, and we rarely see you know. Well, we still see a lot of problems. I think the more homeschooling grows, the more of a target we're going to have on our back. Right. Actually, um, so we need to be careful. We need to join HSLDA. That's just my little plug there, um, but uh it's 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 important what doctor you choose, because I talk to a lot of moms and it's amazing how many doctors will turn in moms for homeschooling, whereas they've been approved by their school district or whatever their homeschooling law is in the state. So you make a really good point. That's, right. um, you know, that that's an important choice that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today,
0: but it's so illustrative. Um, so I think want... it goes without saying that we did not go to that doctor, you know, <laughs> Again, <laughs> yeah. We learned our lesson. Yeah, yeah. Um
1: yeah, so that was not for you. That was just anybody out there listening if they they need to change doctors. Um So uh, one of the things you said in your book that you loved, because some people feel called to homeschooling, some people fall into homeschooling, but you talk about how God is in charge of all of that regardless and how he orchestrates our circumstances to push us where he wants us to be. So would you tell us the story about your husband and how his parents got into homeschooling?
0: Right. I think it's a... a an age-old question. Is this a calling or is this just coincidence? And when you mm-hmm. you put that over homeschooling, we can often convince ourselves that I just kind of stumbled into homeschooling. Yes. I spe- I think especially now, you know, in a, our post-2020 world where so many homeschoolers um, chose this because of a pandemic, because they felt like they were, you know, had a, their feet in the fire and they had to choose a one way or the other. And so we can easily look at that and say, oh, it just was handed to me, or I stumbled into it, or I came in through the side door, that this really wasn't a calling. But as you said, you know, I'm a firm believer that God orchestrates our steps mm-hmm. and he and his providence can orchestrate whatever he, you know, deems necessary, put in front of us, um, all the situations to basically point our steps at the plan he had for us all along. And it might look like coincidence, but it's really not. And, and such yeah. was the case with my husband. When he was a little boy, I think about six or seven, he developed hip perthes, which is a degenerative condition of the hip. And his parents didn't know about it until one day he fell off a countertop and hurt his hip enough to go into the doctor. And they realized, oh, your, your hip was exacerbated. This injury was exacerbated because you actually have hip dysplasia. And from there, you know, through a series of surgeries, multiple stints in the hospital and reconstruction, all that, he had to be withdrawn from the public school. And for the first year, the public school sent a liaison to his house. She was a trained teacher that basically did school at home with him, and he kept Mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. pace and on par with all his fellow students. By the second year, he was in and out kind of a public school as he needed to have more surgeries, but his mom was beginning to see he's really thriving here at home and I'm not seeing a lot of the behavioral issues that I was seeing before and actually our family is becoming a cohesive unit again and we're not scattered amongst you know all of creation and she began to see some of the perks and pluses of you know this, I I won't even say homeschool because I don't even know that at that time she had the vernacular to call it that. It was such a new concept, especially in her small town area. But she just saw some of the benefits and eventually came to the conclusion, I think I can do this. You know, what this teacher was bringing in, you know, I was basically doing it for him at home after she left. Anyway, I think this is something I can do. And you might listen to that story and say, oh, well, they, they kind of literally (laughs) fell into homeschooling when he fell off that countertop and basically shattered his hip. You might call it that. But I think that was just one of the parts of the story that God has written and continues to write in his life um, for his good and God's glory. And, And one part of that was to point their steps towards homeschooling.
1: That's amazing. There is always a silver lining and you're right. God is so good to take things we would never do and lead us there somehow through amazing circumstances. So, okay. So I sound like a book nerd, but I loved your book and I have written down these quotes. (laughs) So forgive me for reading, but there were several things I just would love for you to comment on because they meant so much to me, Jamie. So one of the things we struggle with as homeschooling moms is that we we feel like we're not good enough. We we could have sent our kids to these schools that have a multi million dollar budget. Um, how how do we meet all their needs? And I love I love the way you talk about throughout your book how God provides us what He needs, what we need. So tell us about your algebra teacher because we all worry about math and science, most of us.
0: Well, math and I have had a blood feud my entire life. We do not get along. We're seeking couples therapy and trying to work out our differences, but it's not going well. And when I decided to homeschool my daughter in like preschool or kindergarten, already Satan was planting seeds of fear in my head and in my heart for some day. And that someday to me was thinking down the road when she approached high school and I would have to teach her things like algebra and geometry. I already did that. And I don't know that I did it well way back when. And I certainly didn't want to do it again. I thought for sure I would fail her. And how dare I think that I could teach um, algebra when I struggled so much with math and got and Satan could have easily used that fear to knock me from this, this course that God had prepared for me. So I began to pray because that's what I could do. And I put it in front of God and I said, God, I'm going to hold algebra out to you because I don't know in you know, six or seven years when we get there, I don't know what I'm going to do because I can't do algebra, but I know that you have good plans for my daughter and so I know that you are not going to steer us wrong. So I'm just going to release that fear to you, knowing somehow in your good time, you'll work it out. And I don't know how, and I don't know when, but I'm just going to trust. Fast forward a few years, I think it was like three or three years, three or four years from then, I met a woman that I I hadn't known back when my daughter was in kindergarten. And she was uh, an accountant or working for an accountant firm she began homeschooling was a homeschool mom by day and an accountant by you know later in the day and she she said or we began forming this relationship after a couple of years both of our daughters were reaching the high school years and she said Jamie I don't know if this might work for you or you're even interested but I was thinking about teaching an algebra class for homeschoolers and I was wondering if if there would ever be a time you'd want that for your daughter for Maddie I was crying I was ugly crying, Zan. Here was this woman who was a physical answer to my prayers of six or seven years ago. I didn't even know her at the time when I began praying and releasing my fear to God, but he knew who she was and he knew that he would be a part of Maddie's good story. And all I had to do is step out in faith and in obedience and release that fear back to God.
1: That That is really an amazing story. Um, you know, it it reminds me of one other thing I want to talk about that you said in your book. And that is so many of us are under the impression that God isn't going to give us more than we can handle. And I think that ranks right up there with God helps those who help themselves or cleanliness right. is next to godliness, you know. Right. So so tell us what you think about that.
0: Yeah, that's one of those Christianese phrases that look really good on a t-shirt, but you won't really find them anywhere in scripture or even backed up by scripture. Because if I could handle the things in my life, I would have no need for a savior. Really. God will give us things that we in and of ourselves cannot handle. And what that does is bring us to him. It compels us to take it to the one who can Mm -hmm. handle it. And so that's what I had to do when it came to algebra. Well, a a myriad of other things, let's be honest, not just (laughs) algebra. Um, But that was definitely something I knew I couldn't handle. And if I tried to pull up my bootstraps and get it done, you know, one of two things would happen. Either I'd have success at it and then pride would reign or I would fail at it and I would feel like a complete and utter failure and uh, be trapped in, in shame. And that's not of God either, pride and shame. So I, I had to bring it to God and that's exactly what he wanted me to do. So yes, God will give you things that you in and of yourself cannot handle, but hopefully we have the good sense to bring it to the one who can.
1: That's right. You know, I think there's a lesson in that for moms too, because I can remember the first few years I homeschooled. I mean, there's nothing like homeschooling to bring you to the end of your own resources every day and keep you on your knees. And, um, but I just, uh, you know, I just remember, remember God meeting all of those needs. I forgot where I was going with that point. I'm sorry, but, but, you know, we just, he's just faithful. He is so faithful. So let me ask you this. Is there anything else you want to say about your book and the message? If you could sum up the message, the the one thing you would want people to remember, what would that be?
0: Well, two things. Can I have two things? You can have three things. (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll take two. Um, One, I hope that moms will not let fear have the final say fear doesn't get to have the final say in my homeschool. I'm not going to let it. I'm going to bring it all to God. And I hope that my book exhorts and encourages moms to bring all their fears to God because fear should not have the final say in your homeschool. Mm. And the second thing I, I think is important for all of us to remember at the end of this journey, our kids hopefully will learn a few things. And hopefully their character will be refined and God will use homeschooling as a a small part Mm -hmm. in that refining. Not the only part, but a small part. But let's not forget that God's going to use homeschool to refine us too. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, he has used sometimes a scalpel and sometimes a chainsaw. (laughs) on me in my homeschool days to transform me into the person that I'm supposed to be Mm -hmm. to. So don't discredit the, you know, he doesn't just want to inform you and your kids. He wants to transform you Mm. in your homeschool day.
1: Yeah. That's so powerful. That's so powerful. Well, I hear you just have a new book that came out. So yeah. tell us the title with the subtitle. I love the subtitle of this book too.
0: Sure. It's called Holy Huga creating a place for people to gather and the gospel to grow. And I I have to applaud you for saying it correctly at the beginning <laughs> in the intro, because it is not an easy word. It doesn't fall naturally from our American tongues. It's a Danish word and it's spelled H-Y-G-G-E. So it doesn't look anything no, to our like ama- it, yeah. nice. how it's supposed to be pronounced. So good for you. Oh, thank you. Uh,
1: every once in a while, my Southern accent can be brought under control. <laughs> <laughs> Well, tell me this is this is such a different book for the homeschool space, and I love it because it's such a needed book for the homeschool space. Tell me what led you to write this book, How you ended up here.
0: Well, I grew up in the inner city of Phoenix, and I, like I said, I married my I met my husband in college. We met um, in college in Florida, and he is from central Minnesota. And so when we fell in love and got married, I followed him. I literally followed love all the way to the the north woods of central Minnesota. And that's love. That's love. <laughs> and I cannot really articulate how different my life felt when I moved up here. You know, obviously the weather was different. I feel like I've lived at both extremes of weather in the United States, you know, Phoenix and Minnesota. The culture was different and in that Mike come as a surprise to some but it it is the lived experiences are different and one of the reasons one of the main reasons I believe that the culture itself is so different is that Minnesota boasts the most Scandinavian um, Americans hmm. than any other state in the nation and the Scandinavians come from <laughs> Scandinavian countries that are you know dark and Biting temperatures, and they have over the last couple hundred years, the Scandinavians, including you know, my husband's Danish relations, have developed this lifestyle that has helped them and bolstered them, shown them ways to be content in their very difficult, you know, circumstances and, and low cow on the globe. Um Help them develop ways to comfort one another mm. to build deep and lasting relationships to be hospitable in the midst of you know depressing temperatures and dark days um so that lifestyle they are completely cocooned in it, born into it, and it does have a name it's Huga, and it's Huga is this Danish concept that has about seven different tenets to it. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, as a believer in Jesus, I can look at Huga and say, that has nothing to do with my faith. I can call that a quote-unquote secular practice. And it is. It, it, it isn't a faith concept. It's a lifestyle concept of a, a nationality of people. But here's the thing, Zan. When you peel back the layers of Huga, you see that they mirror or mimic what you find in the perfect home of the garden. And Mm. it is really just the Scandinavians attempt at creating sanctuary at, at creating Mm. that perfect home. But anytime you leave God out of perfection, it really does fall short, doesn't it?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And so all on its own, Hygge is just mere veneer. It's just something to slap over your home over your days to make it, you know, Instagrammable or, you know, that. to appear peaceful and appear comforting. But what happens, like last month, my, my dear sister passed away. Do you know, no amount of Hugo was going to help me get through that. No amount of uh, aesthetics or pretty Instagrammable spaces. I was in deep, deep grief. So Huga is just an aesthetic. It's just a, a veneer. But when we compare the tools of huga some of those tenants with the, the hope of the gospel, hmm. just imagine what we can display, put on display for the world. So, um, I hope that as women read this book, it gives them some tools, some practical tools to help them nurture a home environment that will show the hope and the help of Jesus to the world. Huga is not going to be the salvation of anybody, but Jesus sure will.
1: Absolutely. Well, tell us two or three of the tenets of Huga.
0: Well, I think the top tenet that kind of overlaps all of them is hospitality. And doesn't the world need more of that, Xan? Yeah, I think especially uh-huh. after Thank this you. post-pandemic world, we're all a little bit leery of inviting folks into our homes. We've gotten kind of robotic and wonky and a little bit uncomfortable, and we we're not really sure how to um open our doors anymore because it it doesn't come as naturally. The the next one after that I would say is relationships, forming deep mm-hmm. and lasting relationships. And then another really important one is rest. And isn't that something we saw in the garden? Mm,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And something this culture, we really know little about
0: rest right. and
1: coming away from the culture. I mean, our Sabbath rest, we're supposed to rest one day a week. Right. And we find that painful sometimes.
0: Yes, because we, we think we're too important. That the whole mm. thing is just going to come crumbling down if we mm. hit pause on our lives, and it really does show our our deep pride, whether we want to say that out loud or not. You know, we we like even the garden want to be as God, and we feel like we have to hold the whole thing up, or the whole thing is going to come crumbling down. Mm. The other thing that I would just add to that, um, Huga not only mir- m- mimics the garden, I think if you look very closely, you'll see that it really came from the life of Christ. Mm. He, he walked out and lived each one of these things and really did show us the way to hospitality and deep relationships and rest and all the other seven tenants. So I think as believers, we can take this tool to help us reclaim or claim our abundant life in Christ. Yes, because he says, come unto me,
1: you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's right. So let me ask you this. How does this concept of hygge, um speak into our lives as homeschooling from the way we set up our learning spaces to the way we treat our children?
0: I think you can definitely, huga as a homeschooler, because as homeschool moms, you know, we're in our homes all the live long day Mm -hmm. and certainly that time spent would be spent so much better if we could create peaceful environments, calming environments. I think there's definitely some things that you can do within your homeschool to make it a, a bit more Hugely, do you want me to give you some examples or ideas? Yes, yes, because I just remember you saying, talking about clutter
1: and chaos, and that's so easy to have when you're homeschooling. I might mean life can be ninety percent clutter and chaos if you're not working
0: on it, and I think that. I think that cluttering chaos isn't just referring to stuff. I think our souls can be cluttered. Mm -hmm. Our emotions, our time commitments can be cluttered. So I think HugA can be laid over all of those things to make a much more calming, peaceful, life-giving space. So here's just a, a handful, a couple of quick tips if you're if you're wanting to create a Hugo Lee homeschool, um, I think number one, you definitely have to establish good routines. Try to automate as much as you can your day so that, you know, statistics show about 40% of our day is done automatically anyway. We don't have to think about that 40%, but if you can train those habits in a good direction, versus a bad direction. You know, something can be automated, but be automated in all the wrong ways. So definitely train not just yourself, but your kids in some good daily habits. You know, when you're going to wake up, when you're going to start the day after we do this, we always do that. Not that the day has to feel robotic, but that you're, you've established some good rhythms and you don't have to clutter your mind thinking of the next thing because you've already established rhythms and habits. So establish good routines and habits. Number two, limit some extra commitments as much as you can. Limit those outside of the house commitments. Every time you have to say, okay, we have to leave in five minutes, get your shoes, get your bag, get your things, your cortisol levels increase, your children's Mm -hmm. cortisol levels increase. And it's sort of, it puts you in that flight or fight mode and that's not good for you. It's not good for them. And it certainly does not add to the peace in your home. So try to limit, I know with homeschooling, the sky's the limit for the amount of activities and extras we can put into our day. And all of those things are good but choose purposefully, choose Mm -hmm. mindfully so Mm -hmm. that you're not running to and fro. Number three, have some designated spaces for works in progress. And I think this is especially true for those of us who live in small homes. You know, if you get my book, you'll read that for the first 13 years of our, of our married life with five kids, we lived in a 900 square foot house. And many of those years were homeschooling. Imagine the chaos that would have ensued had we had, you know, homeschool just sort of vomiting all around every single nook and cranny of our home. So I think it's really important when you're in the middle of a project, your kids are in the middle of a project, that you have a designated space for that work and project and process. So for us, during those really um tight crammed sardine-feeling years, my -hmm. husband went to Home Depot and he bought a big, I think they're Masonite boards. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's like the white board that you use to make a white board, an erasable white board. And he had them cut into four four by four squares. And every one of our kids had one. I tucked them behind a little cupboards and they laid flat. So they were easy to tuck. But every time a child wanted to play a game, do a project, um, you know, have a bunch of supplies out, they pull out their board on the and put it on the table, start their project. And then if we needed to have lunch or dinner or, you know, something else happened, needed to happen in that space, we could just pick up that Masonite board and move it. Oh, that, so you mean to,
1: four feet by four feet, not four inches by four inches. Right.
0: Four by okay. four feet by four, four by feet. By, feet. Okay. 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 Yep. Boy, that's a great idea. And then they can just be tucked away and you don't have mm-hmm. to destroy the project, you know, mid work. And mm-hmm. you don't have to mm-hmm. set it all up and tear it all down. You can just move it. So not that you have to do that, but just find a way to have space for works in progress. Number four, quiet your spaces. Research shows that cluttered spaces really do inhibit learning. So I know that Mm. the trend right now for homeschool moms is to set up, you know, every single learning poster and have every single nature activity out and easily available and at the ready for their kids. And so we just pile more and more and more into our learning spaces thinking, you know, if I have all these things at the ready for my kids and within grasp, they'll reach for them more often. But actually, what you're doing is you're inhibiting their learning because a cluttered space nurtures a cluttered mind. So as best you can, try to quiet spaces. Get rid of Mm -hmm. the clutter. You know, if you have to go through, and I'm not saying you have to be a minimalist um, and have a sterile environment, but don't be afraid to get rid of all the extras. I have two more. Do we have time for two more? yeah, Yeah, go for it. Um, The next one is just to incorporate all five senses. I think sometimes when we're building an environment or an atmosphere, we think we have to add a physical thing, like a plastic thing or a a wooden thing. But an atmosphere is actually a feeling. Creating an atmosphere, you're really touching on someone's feelings and you really need to capture all five senses. And so during the homeschool day, I usually have some cello music wafting throughout the house. And you think, well, you're just adding noise, but it's very quiet and it's calming. calming. It's, mm-hmm. it's cal- calming our minds, calming our hearts, calming our spaces. Oftentimes I have some, you know, a candle burning or some essential oils burning with a seasonal smell. So I don't have to add a pumpkin to my table for my kids to know, oh, it's fall y'all. I can <laughs> had, have a pumpkin smell going and it feels like fall you know so incorporate all the senses in the, in the learning day in the homeschool day be in the kitchen making pumpkin bars with your kids and and incorporate some math skills because you're you're bringing in some of that sensory as well and then the last thing is um huga is really deeply rooted in the seasons and you can imagine you know the danish people most of their season most of their year is spent in winter And so they really want to embrace even just the short stints of the other seasons Mm -hmm. that they get. So they really learn to be fully present in whatever season they're in. So if you're trying to nurture a hugely homeschool, really embrace seasonal learning. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have a craft for every single month or, you know, you have to take a specific seasonal field trip, it can be something as simple as just getting a bunch of picture books that are appropriate for that season, dropping them in a basket somewhere in your house and leaving them there for your kids to Mm -hmm. discover in their own curiosity. But just embrace seasonal living. Don't always try, don't always look for the season that you're not in. And whether that's a literal season, you know, summer, fall, winter, Mm -hmm. spring, or maybe a season of your life. Embrace the season that you're in and be um, fully grateful and thankful that for this present moment. And that really is a hugely mindset. Mm, That's amazing. So this is so
1: interesting. I read a book last year about Denmark. Joe and I Mm -hmm. had been at Mystic Seaport in Connecticut. And there was a boat there called Henny's Boat, and the, the, there was a docent, and he said this was a boat that was used during the Nazi resistance in Denmark to ferry um, Jews from Denmark across a ford to safety. Mm -hmm. So this story, I'm not going to, it's just way too long to talk about, but it's called Henny in Her Boat, if anybody's interested in this. It was a remarkable story about the Denmark people and how brave and courageous they were. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting to hear you talk about this today. It really makes me, I've thumbed through the book. I can't wait to go back and read it and wonder, you know, about a little bit more about Denmark culture, that might be a good unit study in homeschooling. Um, Absolutely. So, so so I appreciate your bringing something so so new and different. We all need rest. I've got one more question for you before we close. Sure, uh, in you. your first book, Homeschool Bravely, you talk about every year you would just set aside some time and seek the Lord about your homeschool year and, and a verse would rise to the top or you would choose a verse that was sort of a corralling or a guiding verse for that year. Have you chosen a, a verse for this year?
0: Yes, I have, and it's it comes. I believe it's from Deuteronomy. I'm really bad with references, references Anne, but yes, I can okay. tell you what the verse is, and I'll tell you just a cliff notes of the story behind it. So I mentioned that my sister passed away about a month ago, and in my grief, you know, I was I was searching Scripture, and God was meeting me right in His Word, and He led me to a story. Um, that had nothing to do with my current situation, but it was a prayer. I think if I could be wrong, I think it was a prayer from one of the Kings. So it's probably not Deuteronomy again. I'm really bad with references, but at the very end of the prayer, he says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And I felt that so deeply. God, I do not know what to do with my grief. I do not know what to do with my pain. I do not know what to do with all the responsibilities that are, you know, coming at me like a freight train because school is starting in just a few weeks and I am not ready. But my eyes are on you. And I would not normally in any other year equate that with homeschooling. But boy did God meet re- me right where I was and and I have claimed that as my homeschool verse because this is going to be a different year for us for many many reasons I do not know what the year will hold but my eyes will be on him mm. That
1: is so powerful, Jamie. And I think that is a great place for us to end. We'll actually put the reference to that verse in the show notes for this program. Thank you. So people can go back and look it up. That's one of my favorite verses. I love that verse because when you come to the end of yourself, which is often, Mm -hmm. that is a great verse.
0: So tell us as we close how people can find you. Well, you can find me at jamieerickson.com, and that is where you will find you know, my podcast and my blog and my books and hopefully a little bit of encouragement and equipping as you're there.
1: Well, it has been so great to have you with us. Thank you for sharing this time with you, and I just pray um, that your ministry continues encouraging moms and that people will read your books. They're wonderful. This
0: has been delightful. Thank you so much for having me, Zan.
1: Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope this was encouraging and inspiring for you. If you would like more information, you can find me at Zantaler.com. Until next time, see you later.